towards them on Sunday, turn towards them on Wednesday, maybe on a good Friday, I'm going to turn towards them. I got paid Friday, I'm going to turn towards them. And then all the rest of my life, you know, I'm just not, I'm good. No, we need to be faithful every day, no matter if it's a good day, no matter if it's a bad day. Hey, I'm Amani. And this is Elijah. And this is the Deeper Waters Podcast by Pascalis Bros. Diving right into the waters right here. <laughs> so essentially, we are here to give some sort of Gen Z Bible study, you could say, where we are here as Gen Zers, and we are here to come to you and bring God's word. We are Gen Zers. We were, we're, we're told off that we're stupid, and we might just be validating that point right now. But anyways, going into what we were looking at earlier, we're just trying to follow that same call to be fishers of people, or what we believe, disciples. Simply, you could call us Piscatas, Rose. What does Piscata mean? If you actually look at it, Piscato is the Spanish word for fish. And we wanted to create a name for being disciple makers, being fishers of men, and fishy dudes did not sound good. <laughs> There's a difference between fishing as a lifestyle and fishing as a hobby. And when you're living to be a disciple maker, you're pushing yourself, but when you push yourself so much, sometimes you'll you'll eventually get to that state where you, where you just start doing it. Because what, what, what would really happen if we, if we were wrong? Nothing. But if we were wrong in the other way, man, what, what, what would that life be like? 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 Man, I just, I really love doing this podcast because it brings up so many discussions and, and today I'm really excited for this one. But before we go into that discussion, what we're going to be talking about, what it kind of leads into is you can do a lot of things to show that you can be fake about a lot of things. You can, I, I personally believe if you have the ability to talk, then you can prove to anybody that you know stuff. If you can do research, you can try to convince them that you know stuff. You could talk all about changing your car battery how to do it but when it comes down to physically actually doing it can you do it can you take that out it comes to doing those things not just obviously a core our car battery but different things you know it takes um the ability can you actually do it because we can talk all day long some of us can i mean at least me, I, know I can <laughs> i can talk for hours and hours i can talk for that I, when i'm thinking about that it kind of reminds me of like you know talking about barking versus biting like Really, I mean, the analogy that popped in my head the last second is a parrot. You know, a parrot can mimic a lot of things. A parrot can yeah. mimic, uh, mimic a lawyer. It can mimic a dog barking. But if it, an intruder comes in and sees a parrot, is it going to be as scared as seeing a big old pit bull? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's true. And and so today's topic, we're going to be talking about uh, um, you can fake faith, but not faithfulness, which is something I remember... When we started writing down, before we did this podcast, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on here, but we made a list and we're like, we want to do episodes. And so we're going to write down every episode that we could think of, different topics, and we're just going to make a huge list. And I remember reading this topic, I believe Amani wrote it down, and I was just like, wow, that's going to be something great. Like, that's such a, a bold statement to say, but it's so true because... Hold on, we let me give you credit. Let me give you credit. That was you. This, this one was yours. Oh, it was me? Really? Yeah. Oh, I can't. <laughs> it's been so long, I can't remember. But hey, um, I just I must, I must have seen that somewhere. Um, but 
man, just like that statement, like you can fake faith, but you can't fake faithfulness. I mean, it's so true because I can act like I know God. I can talk about God a lot. I can make it seem like I know God, but if I don't have a relationship with him, it means nothing at all. And I just think this is such an important topic to talk about. Um, and so leading into that, let's go into our, our first um, verses for today. It's in Luke chapter 11, verses, um, we'll start at 34 through 35. It says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Wow. It, it, I mean, that's it's really true. And, and this is how we kind of relate to if you're not being faithful. It, it shows when you're not actually receiving God and you're just you're just watching God. If you're from afar just watching it, you could talk about it, but you're not actually letting it in. It shows it here. That provides your eye is like a lamp that provides light to your body. When you when you let things in, it fills it up because your body is filled with a, a darkness. So make yes. sure that make sure and, and then it says and I like thirty five. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. So not only do you need to let Jesus in and let Him be a part of your life, but you can you got to make sure that this is Jesus and you got to make sure that the relationship is right and you're not just having a fake relationship. Yes. Right, you're actually truly having a real relationship. And then it's not actually darkness. Yes, and I think the crazy thing is, like, just thinking about that, I mean, how deceived do you have to be to think that what you have is light when it's actually darkness? I know I've actually kind of studied this, you know, just looking at different organizations, different religious beliefs, like not Christian ones, or at least not biblical Christian ones anyway. Um, but I've looked into different religious beliefs, different societies, different all sorts of different things. But I know there's a common theme of merging darkness with light. But if you read on to verse 36, it said, if you are filled with the light with no dark cor corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. You, we, we as Christians don't have any room to merge with darkness. We as Christians don't have room to leave any darkness because if you have that, then it's, you can't have darkness and light. You have to pick one or the other. And we hear a lot of philosophies about, well, we have to have balance in our life. You know, we can have a little fun in our life sometimes, but I just shake my head. Like the more I see some people really do think that you can have darkness and light. They, some people think their darkness is a light. Some people are deceived, you know, and you have to keep in mind, Satan at one point was an angel of light. So he can make himself appear to be light, even though he's not light at all. And just how empty you are to really think that what you have, the faith that you have. I know we actually talked about this yesterday. We have a little mini friend group Bible study, but I know we were just talking about the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and all that. And I don't doubt that people have experiences. I don't doubt that people have a faith in something, but to have a faith in something, I know one of my friends made a point and for it not even to be real in the first place, to have all your faith. in I, I don't doubt their experience. I, I do think there are demonic powers out there, Yeah. but all that to lead to your demise, all that, you know, they, in that story, they were, trying to get their God to rain down fire 
and they they stayed up all night and they progressively got more violent and they were cutting themselves just to end up dying at the end of the story. They did all that. And they had an opportunity to turn to the light and they rejected it. Rejected that opportunity, yeah, absolutely. And and what's craziness maybe even is another discussion don't go too far into, but so many times this world is letting and blurring the line of darkness and light. I know there is a uh, a movie I watched with my sister, and just it pretty much is saying, "What well, what's the difference? Why why is not my bad good, and why is good not bad?" Like it literally, there's a song, and it's just like, "Why why is there a difference? Why can bad not actually be good? Why is it not good to be bad?" And I'm thinking that is in the children's movies now. That is what is being subtly introduced into this world. What are we actually having in this world? How dark is this world becoming? That that's just something little that we're not even really talking about or focusing on a lot like you don't hear a lot of discussion about that at church like i don't remember discussing this concept with somebody that we're actually talking about this in a movie that i know children at our church have watched that we're saying that it's okay to be bad like the evil things you do it's okay to be doing those things what we're blurring the line on what is okay to do and and bad is okay it's okay to be bad and and it's bad to be good at times. Like you, you, you deserve to be you and yourself. Like if anyone tries to stop you from being you, then you're okay to be bad in some way and reject them. That's selfishness. It, like that's it is. it's so it, it, crazy that this is what we're okay with. This is what the new yeah, normal is. This is what we're letting we're letting into this world. And this world is this world is accepting a lot. And as a church, we need to stand against it. I think so many times we just just push the line on what we're willing to accept as long as it's better than the world. But and God hasn't called us to just keep pushing the line to just be a little bit better than the world. We are a separate people. And now more than ever, we're going to look, di- we're going to look different. We're going to talk different. We're going to be a lot more different because the world is getting darker and darker. That doesn't mean we get more and more towards the dark areas. That doesn't mean we keep pushing the line of where we're at. It means we stay where we're at. And even if it looks totally different than this world and we do everything different than this world, we need to stand our ground at where we're at. And I think so many times we keep inching ourselves more and more just a little bit better than what the world is at, Make it, making that acceptable. And you and can't a, have the world be the standard be. when God was the standard. Mm-hmm. You can't make people. Yeah. No, nothing should be the standard but God. God exactly. is the only standard that doesn't change. So by you making your standard, even not even the devil or the world, your best friend, as they progressively get worse, you're progressively get worse. And even if they even if they happen to just get better, your your potential and your capacity is limited to how far they grow, if that is your what you're striving for. We should we should not be striving to be like anything other than God. And I know yeah. we're talking about not faking faith. Um you can fake faith, but not faithfulness. And mm-hmm. you know, we really have this just shows how devoted we have to be we have to be in it with our whole heart it says in verse 36 i'm just going to reiterate that one time one more time it says if you are filled with light with no dark corners then your life will be radiant as a flood light we're filling you with light only then will you radiate with god's love only then will you radiate with god's power if there are no dark corners that means you have to be totally committed there's not you know a partiality and that can be hard that can be hard sometimes Mm -hmm. but that is just one of the few requirements of truly being living a life of faithfulness and not faking like you just believe but just moving on into the next verse we have isaiah 
5, 8 through 30. And this is a little bit of a lengthy passage, but I'm sure uh, you will get plenty out of this. So just starting with verse 8, it says, What sorrow for you who buy up house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. But I have heard the Lord of heaven's armies swear a solemn oath. Many houses will stand deserted. Even beautiful mansions will be empty. Ten acre, acres of vineyards will not produce even six gallons of wine. Ten baskets of seed will yield only one basket of grain. What sorrow for those who get up early in the morning looking for a drink of alcohol and to spend long evenings drinking wine to make themselves flaming drunk. They furnish, they furnish wine and lovely music at their grand parties, lyre and harp, tambourine and flute, but they never think about the Lord or notice what he's doing. So my people will go into exile far away because they do not know me. Those who are great and honored will starve, and the common people will die of thirst. The grave is licking its lips in anticipation, opening its mouth wide. The great and the lowly and all the drunken mob will be swallowed up. Humanity will be destroyed and people brought down. Even the arrogant will lower their eyes in humiliation. But the Lord of Heaven's armies will be exalted by his justice. The holiness of God will be displayed by his righteousness. And that day the lamb will find good pastures and fattened sheep and goats and will feed among the ruins. What sorrow for those who drag their sins behind with ropes made of lies, who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol that they can hold. They take bribes and let the wicked go free and punish the innocent. They Therefore, just as fire licks up the stubble and grass shrivels into the flame, so their roots will rot and the flower withereth. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of Heaven's armies, and they have despised the Holy One of Israel. And I just want to pause there real quick, because I know there's a whole lot more that you can read there. But it says in verse 20, it says, What sorrow for those who say evil is good and good is evil, and dark is light and light is dark, and bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. How confused do you have to be, you know? But this is what happens. It says earlier, before they even got to this point, before you even get to this mode of thinking. And I know we talked about having a reprobate mind just about a podcast ago. And it talked about before they even got to this point, it said, what sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies, who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God saying, hurry up and do something. God sees that as a mockery, you know. Just saying, hey, do something, do something. Like, why don't you stop me? Why don't you stop me? And they think that just calling to God, you know, oh, God will stop me. You know, God is real, so he can, he'll stop me. That's just just not, (laughs) that's not faith at all. No, absolutely not. Wow. That's so crazy where we've come in this world where we think, they're, they're, they're tempting God right there. I don't know. 
I've never found that to be very smart to do that. <laughs> Where they're like, you know what, God, he'll, he'll do it. He, God's a gentleman. God's not going to make you do stuff. I mean, it talks about it in the Bible. God is not a for, he's not going to force you. If you're going to live for him, you're going to live for him for yourself. And you make your own decisions. And you do what you want. God is going to be there when you fall and when you want to turn to him. But you make your own decisions. You decide where you go. And I, I just think that that is a terrible place to be at where they were at in this and who they were talking about. Yes, and the, um, in some Bibles, it's even this section, this whole section. So if you want to read the whole thing, um, this section is titled, in some Bibles, Well Unto the Faithless. This is how sad it is. It talks about some of the punishments you will eventually receive if you keep living this lifestyle, just to not have actual faith to not actually be putting in the action behind your words so yeah what a whoa i guess what a sad <laughs> what case a what a sad case yeah. to be in yeah wow that's that's hmm. that hits me a lot I, I like that i like that and, um to go on to the next one in, in hebrews 10 and we have the whole chapter here um we'll probably not read the whole chapter but there's a main point we're going to get to so we'll make sure we hit that verse. Um, but we'll just start from verse 1 in Hebrews 10. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under the system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshippers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins, year after year, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why, then, when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offering for or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. When I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the scriptures. First Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will, will was for us to be made holy, the sacrifice of body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Yeah, I just want to make a quick point there. I know this... It's kind of a precursor to all of this, but I think the very important point to get out of this, it talks about the Old Covenant. So if you haven't really read a lot about the Old Testament, it there's a lot of laws that were required of people. They had to do a lot of action. They had to do a lot of ceremonies. And a lot of times we can kind of fall into that too, where we just kind of go through the motions of church. We just kind of show up. We kind of just do the motions and it feels like we're doing something but I know I've, I've been reading a lot I've been doing a deep study into uh, the book of Jeremiah and it talks about how people would show up they had the temple of God built and they were like hey the temple is here the temple's here we're good you know we just have faith 
but they they were doing mm. all sorts of sinful stuff. They literally had idols in the church, but they said, no, this yeah. is the temple of Yahweh. This is the temple of God. So we're good. You know, we are being faithful, but God was not pleased at that at all. He was not pleased because they were doing sacrifices that were in the law because they were still disobeying. God requires obedience because that's what really being faithful is. It's not, you know, just going through the motions. It's not just going through a ceremony. It's not just doing what you always do, but it's actually doing it with the mindset of, what am I doing to please God? We're going to continue on in uh, verse 11. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by the one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so, for he's he said, he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. And uh, we're getting on, we're about to get at the part where we really want to put emphasis on. It would be in verse 23. Um, we're about to get there, but it's in verse 19 it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And on 23, let us hold tightly without wavering the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Man, 23 really hits what we're talking about, though. I mean, this all co- correlates together, and it's always good to have background of the verses you're reading. But 23, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Our God can be trusted to keep his promise. It says, hold tightly unto what God said. God made a promise. Have faith, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Have that faith that you hold on without wavering. God will be there. God never has not kept a promise. Do not change your mind about faith. Don't don't waver from it. Don't step away from it. God is always there. It's you now. It's what you think and what you say. The devil gets in our minds so many times. He tries to make us be, think that God's not there. Or he, he'll put something in our minds where we'll be like... Um, uh, what, what what would be the right words? The devil will try to stop us so many times through, maybe it was through 
depression, maybe it's through anxiety, maybe it's through just telling you you're not good enough, telling you that you can't do this, you can't do that. And he will, or God, you know, if, why would God keep this promise to you? Are you worth keeping a promise to? So many times we hear the things in our head that the devil would try to say to us. And we try to let that waver what God is saying. Yes, and what he said earlier, we have to make sure our minds do not waver at all. When you skip down to verse 36, it says, Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he promised. Like he said, the promise, you know, the devil will try to tell you, you know, that you're not going to receive that promise, that you're not eligible, you know. But if we keep our minds set on him and we'll be like, I don't care what he has to say. I don't care what he, but I'm going to do everything within my might because this is what God says. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith and I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. And then it says in the last verse, but we are not like those who turn away from God to do their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls we must will be saved so it kind of goes back to i know we've had a couple episodes where we talked a lot about repentance like that's all god has ever wanted throughout the whole thing and not just yeah. to repent once it's it talks about in the new testament how we have to die daily that's what we need to be faithful and loyal to loyal to god so that we continually turn to him not to turn away from him you know not to turn towards him on sunday turn towards him on wednesday maybe on a good friday i'm gonna turn towards him I got paid for it. I'm going to turn towards them. And then all the rest of my life, you know, I'm just not, I'm good. No, we need to be yeah. faithful every day, no matter if it's a good day, no matter if it's a bad day, just to continue on, to continue pressing and to have that patient endurance. I know you could really just equate that to the story of the 10 virgins, you know, some of them had enough oil to actually make it to the wedding, but some of them did yeah. not have enough and they let themselves burn out. And by the time Absolutely. it was time to come, they had already turned away to go buy more oil. They didn't have the energy to keep going. That's what we really need. And if you feel like, you know, oh, I have faith and I have belief, but you know, I need help, ask God for help. But don't just turn away from him if you don't. We have resources. We have almighty God. We have a God that is the provider. So we need to make sure that we actually utilize our resources, I guess, for lack of better words. But just to continue on, in Titus 1 and 6 to 12, it says, An elder must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife, and his children must be believers, who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. A church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must be live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home. He must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message that he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. For there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. They must be silenced because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. And they do it only for money. Even one of their men, a prophet from Crete, 
has said about them, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. So that, that kind of goes back to what we were just talking about a little earlier, how some people, you know, they just go through the motions and they just want to do what they want to do, you know. But we have to make sure that we're sticking to the truth. We need to be faithful in all our ways, not just in part of them, not in just, for example, in the Old Covenant is what this is referring to. That was a part, circumcision was a part of what was a part of their normal life and what was a part of their normal activity. But when the New Covenant came about with Jesus, this is not necessary at all. But we need to just make sure that we are living faithful in all our ways as a disciple. How could we ever lead anybody? It talks about at the very beginning, an elder must live a blameless life. If we are experienced, you know, we want to be disciple. We need to make sure that we're living a blameless life, that we are faithful with our family, that we are faithful in all our ways, that we don't give people reason to question us, that we are making sure that we are wholesome in our teaching. Because how could we ever lead somebody to Christ if we aren't living it ourselves? You can't teach something that you don't practice. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. We, we so many times just want to just be able to be the people that talk about God and, and are seen and want to be seen talking about God, but we're not actually living the life where we even truly can or deserve to talk about God because we're not even really reflecting on his word to truly know him and pray to him and talk to him. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. So, and going on, and this is our last uh, scripture, he, it will be Hebrews 12, um, 3 through 17. And it goes, Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin and have not forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure the divine discipline, remember God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his by its father if god doesn't discipline you as he does all his children it means that you are illegitimate and you're not really his children at all since we res since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how but God's discipline, discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not, will not see the Lord. Look after each one so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root 
of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You knew that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late. I'm sorry, get me around him on my online Bible. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Man, there's so much to unpack here in this scripture. I love this scripture. Um, it talks about how being disciplined by God and how that, that will change you. And, and it talks about how we were all disciplined by our fathers. I think there's a lot less discipline going on in this world. <laughs> so I don't believe that's much true as much as it was back in the day. But it is true. You get disciplined to show you how to act right. When you do something wrong, you get disciplined so you don't do that again, so you learn how to live. And that's what it's saying God is doing to you. If you want to live a holy and righteous life, you need to live a life of discipline. And it's not easy. It's not always easy. And I like how they talk about Esau here in Hebrews and how he traded his birthright for a single meal. If you really look at that and the importance of a birthright, I mean, how crazy is Esau to have just traded that for a meal? Like... The way it wasn't even lazy. like McDonald's is like porridge, yeah. like, like it, not even McDonald's. Like. He was he was just lazy. That's the whole problem. Is Esau was just lazy? He didn't want to make his own food. He's like, I I can't remember the exact words, but he's like, I mean, I can't, I won't, I won't live if I if I don't have this food. So you can have my birthright, something like that. Like he was over dramatic. Which I mean, granted, he did have a day of hunting, but he did have a day of hunting. If you hunted like, all that time. Yeah. Why don't you just make like I, I just can't wrap my mind around yeah, the fact no. that he yeah, actually I, fell I just for believe that. Esau was an overdramatic, lazy person. That's what I every time <laughs> I read the scripture, I'm just imagining he's just being overdramatic. I'm gonna die if I don't eat. I'm, like, gonna, bro, kill I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, Esau was always overdramatic. I tell you that right now. He definitely set himself up. Like, I mean, I know Jacob was a surplanter. I mean, maybe he's just that much more cunning in person, but it's just like, honestly, though, like, how did you, nah, how did you fall for that? Like, come on now. Yeah, Esau, but, but really, he traded his birthright, which meant so much, and it said it didn't even matter. He was rejected. It didn't matter how much of he begged with bitter tears. It did not matter because the birthright was already given. He could not be given it. And it was too late for repentance. Yeah. You can't wait for that last moment. That for this this story right here is talking about getting the birthright. But that last moment for us is when we're in heaven talking to God. Oh. We can't wait till that we can't wait till that last moment to beg God for forgiveness. We can't wait for that last moment to get what we finally want. We're in heaven. We lived our life. We did we lived the life and we were supposed to do what we're supposed to do. You know, you did what you did. You can't go back. In that last moment, do you really want to be on your knees being like, God, please, please. Like, I'm sorry. I should have done more. We can't live our lives. And we can't live our lives not doing anything to eventually get into that last place begging with bitter tears saying, God, I want to be in heaven. He said, well, I never knew you. Depart from me because you didn't, you didn't do my work. We are here and we are all called to be disciple makers. And that's why we do this podcast. And that's why that's why we live the lives that we do is because we want to be disciple makers. And if we're not doing the call of God, we're going to end up like Esau. 
and he says he wa- he wanted that blessing. Esau wanted that. We're going to be like him, but we will be rejected by God. And I don't want to be rejected by God. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be rejected by God. Yes. And, you know, just going back to that scripture, um, before I even go back to that, um, it talks, well, I guess I should go back to that, but I'm making a um, connection in the scripture. But it talks about how he disciplines those who he loved. And it kind of just reminds me of the story of Lazarus and the rich man, the poor man Lazarus. Mm. And so basically yeah. one went to what's called Abraham's bosom in that story. It's kind of like heaven, but not really there yet because heaven, that's, that's a whole separate topic. But, you know, he's he's in a good place. And then he's basically, uh, the rich man's basically in hell. And he's like, oh man, this is horrible. Like, can I at least have some water? He's like, no, okay, this is even worse. Like, at least somebody tell my family, like, you don't want to come here. But if they didn't listen to the prophets, if they didn't listen to the other things, what makes you think that that's yeah. going to make it better? And it talks about, you know, if you even get into the church, especially, you know, or if you're going through some things, like not everything is the devil. Some things are judgment, you know, but it's not always a bad thing. Some things are tests, not even judgment, you know, to make you better. He disciplines those who he loves because he wants to make you better. He wants to make you stronger. And, as disciples, you know, we need to make sure that we are disciplined too, you know, not just by that, but like we're actually applying the story. We're actually setting boundaries. We're actually mm-hmm. practicing everything strictly because when we don't, you know, we'll just that easily slip into an Esau mindset as you brought up earlier. And, you know, being, you know, disciplined isn't the same thing as being a Pharisee, as we mentioned earlier, because they did so with yeah. pride and without love. God instructs yeah. us to be humble and loving, but we still have to do the work. Faith without works is dead. So we need to just make sure we're doing our job. And if you read, like, for example, in Second Thessalonians 3 and 10, it says if you don't work, you don't eat. That's where mm-hmm. they get that from. So yeah. how do you expect to taste and see the blessings of God in the end if you didn't put any work in? If you didn't even try to do anything, you just said, hey, I showed up, you know, I'm going to just sit back here, you know, Mm. I'm not going to try to help reap the harvest or anything Uh, like that. So that's just really bad. And I I get it. It can be hard. It's it's not easy being a disciple. But (laughs) one thing I know that you can find in the scriptures is, for example, Romans 15 and 4. It says to encourage yourself in the Lord. And I know there's a song about that, you know, go... Sometimes, you know, if you feel like you can't, God isn't coming to you, you go find God. You know, it mm. says, ask and you'll find, seek. And, you know, seek and you'll find, you know, knock and the door will be open, you know. But it yeah. also talks about in a different passage, you know, if you don't get what you want, keep knocking. Keep asking like a child. Keep knocking on that neighbor's door until they come and give you what you need. Even because, you know, it talks about in that story, you know, it was late, it, it was late at night in that story. And, the neighbor was knocking and he didn't want to open that door, but he kept knocking. Eventually he wants to go away. So he's going to give them. And, you know, yeah. not to say that we just need to be annoying, but we need to be persistent. We need to be enduring. We need exactly. to have I mean, that tenacity. Look at, look at the story going. of Jacob. I mean, when he fought the angel, he was being persistent. He's like, and then that goes with Esau. The story of Esau comes to is Jacob wanted a change. He wasn't, he was not satisfied with where he, where he was at. So he fought and he fought because he said, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not happy with where I'm at. I'm going to fight for more. And he said, and I'm either going to die or get a blessing. 
Exactly. And so, and, and you got to be like that. I mean, I know it talks in the Bible to be like a child in certain things. And, and that's what I believe that ch- children sometimes can sometimes just be super annoying. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's like, okay, we get it. Like, just, just leave me alone. Okay. I know you want this, but I don't want to give it to you. But eventually, if they're annoying enough, you're going to eventually either give it to them <laughs> or, or, or you're going to te- <laughs> teach them a lesson. And there's that's where the discipline comes in to so become more disciplined. So one way or another, something's going to happen. <laughs> and I just, I just know that we, that is so true. We need to be like a child and we need to go to God and be like, I'm not happy. So I'm going to not stop until God does something with that. Yes. I and I, I know Elijah sent me a sermon that, uh, I wouldn't say completely changed my life, but it definitely had an impact, you know, on how I actually saw, you know, my prayer life and how I saw communicating with God. Because sometimes God leads me to verses, sometimes God leads me with what to say, but sometimes it feels like he's not there. But it talks about, you know, with the story of, who was it? Uh, it was Jesus and was the Samaritan? I don't know if she's Samaritan. She wasn't Jewish, whatever she was. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she was asking God for a miracle. And she said, I haven't come for you yet. And she kept asking. She said, okay, I got him talking, you know, but I'm going to just keep asking. She literally got called a dog. But she kept asking and God honored yeah. that faith because he was like, oh, you're persistent. You know, you have yeah. more faith than the Jews have, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm going to give yeah, you this, this story, because yeah. you're persistent. So sometimes it's like, oh, I've turned to the scripture. It's not what I need. I'm looking and it's not what I need. But keep looking. You know, you, you, you started looking. Keep looking until you find something. Keep looking yeah. until you, you feel restored in your faith. I know a lot of times we just expect God, like, oh, God, I'm just feeling lonely. Please speak to me. Why is this called the Word, the Bible? Why is this called the Why Word? Why is it called the Word? Because yeah, God, it's His God's Word. There. So He's not always like, yes, He will speak to you. I, I, I've had it happen. I, you know, some people have had, had it happen audibly. Sometimes it's like a whisper. Sometimes you just feel led to do something that's in line with the scriptures. But a lot of times you have to go put in the work yourself and Absolutely. encourage yourself no, in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the scriptures as it says there in Romans 15 and 4. But we just have to make sure that we don't get weary. Because you can say all you want. You can have all these things you say. All these things you want to do. all these You can be going through the motions. But at the end of the day, if you were not actually fully committed and not even just fully committed but have enough endurance to make it to the end it's worthless yeah no absolutely I, I definitely agree we need to make sure that we have actual faith we can't be faith we can't this is not the day and age where we need we can fake faith the lord is is, is coming and even if even if the lord tarries years and years and years and years we don't know. We don't know the day, our last day. We don't know when we're going to go. And in my life, my eyes have been opened up even more recently to that fact of just like, you don't know when your last day is. So you need to be living that life of being filled with faith and faithfulness and be there and be living for God. We just want to thank you guys so much for listening in and, and being a part of this podcast being a faithful guest not guest that's not the word a faithful fan listener, faithful, <laughs> faithful fan listener. faithful listener 
uh, maybe someday we'll have you be able to see us a faithful watcher who knows but <laughs> man we we love doing this and we did take a break a while back and and it was it was a, it was a big break but we we love coming back and doing this and now we've been recording and getting in the hang of it all and we it's just been crazy. You, you yeah. might hear a little bit about some of this. It's been who knows? Who knows if we'll ever stuff, but... if we we'll truly talk about everything that happened in that time? Yeah. But <laughs> life got life got crazy, and but we really wanted to get this back. We didn't want to just push this to the side because we said we love doing this, and we're gonna keep trying. And we want to thank everybody that listens, and we really appreciate each and every one of you. Yes, and we just want to continually hear your feedback if you have any. We have a lot of really exciting podcast coming up and some different new things we're even planning to introduce to soon so just stay tuned give us some feedback and just feel free to interact with us you know if you have any things you want us to talk about or any comments you have we we love to hear anything that you guys have to say but outside of that we really thank you guys for tuning in and i just hope that this blesses you and that you will just continue to read even you know we didn't even finish some of these scriptures read i encourage you to read them for yourself don't take our word from it for it don't take our interpretation of it read it for yourself and be encouraged so god bless god bless